I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I create this compliance episode today. I would also like to pay my respects to the elders, past, present and emerging. I would also like to pay respect to the people that have passed down, deepened, enriched the compliance knowledge and wisdom I'm privileged to embody today and share throughout my work as a conscious career coach. Dearest you, welcome again to another episode of Compliance Careerist. Today, we're going to be talking about a very, very important legal obligation with regards to the fight against money laundering and terrorism financing. And this is probably a term that you've already heard over and over again if you're in this space. But if you're very much new to compliance, this must be very new, but um, it's a very critical, critical one. And this is what the whole compliance program is, is all about. It's, it's about suspicious activity reports, also known as SARS. So in this episode, we'll be talking about what exactly a suspicious activity report is. You must have heard this in the previous episodes when we talked about some of the key AML regulations in the United States and and we've talked about the Bank Secrecy Act and the US Patriot Act and um, both of these basically require financial institutions to file suspicious activity reports to law to law enforcement agencies. So what a suspicious activity report is, it's it's a report, um, as the name entails, to law enforcement. So it's it's filed by a financial institution and it's not always them, it's also other professionals um, that may be um, under under the law obligated to monitor and file suspicious activity reports as well when there is possible links to money laundering and terrorism financing. So in the United States, under the Bank Secrecy Act of 1970, that was later amended by the US Patriot Act. If you haven't listened to these episodes, I highly recommend you go back to the episodes before and listen to the podcast where I've talked in depth a little bit uh, about the Bank Secrecy Act and then also the US Patriot Act and terrorism in general. So SARS are basically filed confidentially to alert law enforcement um, basically fencing or the financial crimes enforcement network for example of potentially illegal transactions in other countries they're not necessarily called SARS they might actually be referred to suspicious transaction reports or STRs in short um, regardless whether they um, they're called STRs or SARS they act as similar mechanisms for financial institutions and other regulated entities. So you might be asking, who then should file a SAR? 
While banks and credit unions routinely submit SARs, the BSA also includes a broad definition of the type of entity that falls under the Act. And therefore, the requirement to file SARs includes stockbrokers and mutual funds, as well as check cashing firms, currency exchanges, and insurance companies, to name a few. So, when should a SAR be filed? While the criteria and naming conventions for suspicious activity reports varies by country, filing SARs, or their equivalent, provides government with visibility into transactions that otherwise would go undetected. Firms also file SARs when they spot possible weaknesses or failures in its AML compliance programs or transaction monitoring as a measure to comply with anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism financing frameworks. Given the vast amount of transactions processed by financial institutions daily, many organizations rely on AML technology to detect suspicious activity worthy of a filing of a SAR. Law enforcement um, officers or law enforcement officers are quick to state how useful SARS are to their efforts. Even if SARS are not used in a specific investigation, officers often use them to help identify new money laundering typologies. In fact, it's estimated that approximately 11,000 government officials utilize SARS in their work. So, was the required timeline for submitting a SAR? Complying with SAR filing requirements involves the timely submission of reports. For example, in the US, a financial institution must file a SAR no longer than 30 calendar days after the, de the detection of the activity included in the SAR. If an institution is unable to identify a suspect associated with the transaction, it can actually delay filing for an additional 30 days. However, that comes with a caveat. Under no circumstances can an institution delay filing of a SAR for more than 60 days. Additionally, the institution filing the SAR must not disclose the existence of the filing to those mentioned in the report. In the US, um, FinCEN receives electronic copies of SARS via the Bank Secrecy Act e-filing system. And this is it for today's episode and I hope you've learned um, what are suspicious activity reports and who is actually responsible for monitoring and alerting law enforcement whenever suspicious transactions or activities are detected and the legislation behind um, the requirement to file SARS and who should file a SAR and when should a SAR be filed and the required timeline for submitting a SAR and how it is filed through the SAR, through the Bank Secrecy e-filing system in the United States. With that being said, I would love to thank you for your time for today and looking forward to having you tune in for the next episode. Have a good day.
Thank you for visiting us for this episode of Compliance Careerist. Consider following us if you consider taking on development and professional opportunities to help you succeed consciously. And if you know someone who would benefit of listening to Compliance Careerist, please share it with them.